Hello and welcome to another Not Chilly podcast. Today, um, you'll be listening to a bit of a conversation about the film Prisoners. Uh, this was, a, I think, a 2014 film. I mean, we go into detail about the fact that if you haven't seen this movie, you probably don't want to listen to this podcast. It's it's in-depth, it's spoiler-rich, um, and yeah, I would... I enjoy doing these kind of things and I enjoy listening to other people talk about these kind of things because sometimes having a different perspective on a film or like just a different angle that something might have not noticed or even on any particular piece of media can sometimes bring out more interest in movies in, in themselves. So Josh and I, we break this down, we, we end up just divulging. And what I will say is at the beginning... It's a bit of a stumble. We're kind of a little bit, oh yeah, yep, this. And we kind of didn't quite grab our, our groove. But then once we really get into it, it gets really specific. And uh, and the detail and the it all kind of comes together. So bear with it a little bit. Um, but this is actually, uh, I'm really enjoying this format. I'm really enjoying this particular style. And like, I mean, there will obviously be variations, because there always will be when it comes to anything, any project that I do. But I'm enjoying this at the moment, and I feel like I'm going to continue it on a f- you know, at least a bunch more times until I can find a different rhythm or a different, you know, different style. So yeah, um, yeah, enjoy. Thanks very much for listening up until now, and hopefully you enjoy the whole thing. Like, even if you're a little further away, but you talk kind of into the front of it. So that means that like it doesn't branch off anyway, because I noticed we were doing this last time, and it sounded like louder when you're here, but I lost a little bit of character and clarity. And then you came back here, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like the clarity in the voice, but it's not ruined or anything. It's all actually not good. a problem. Not a problem. Thank you. Um, fuck. Yeah. So I watched like we started watching it, and it was like, I don't know. Like I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be analytical with this. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna pick at it. I think you've you like, got to watch a movie first. No, you do, but I wanted to be like, I wanted to find details in it so I could like talking points. And then it just didn't, I just didn't stop being anxious from that point <laughs> on. Oh my God. That was, that was terrible. But good, like it's good to, good to feel. Um, so, uh, welcome to, thank you for giving me some of the most intense feelings. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> Not me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Not you. You know. Um, yeah, it's the movie, but you chose the movie, and it was a good movie. It was a really good movie. We watched Prisoner. Prisoners. Oh, man. Did I write that wrong already? Prisoners. Yeah. What, Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Terrence Howard. Uh, t- Viola. Um, my goodness, I always forget her last name. But uh, Viola Davis, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Just a crazy, crazy good cast. Yeah, my God. Um, and all exceptional performances. Oh, yeah. And a lot of... And what, Deacons is the one that shot it. Yeah. Because, of course, he did. Uh, who, who directed this? Uh, Dennis Villeneuve. And he, and what did he do before this? Uh, like, anything his... notable that, like, that would, you know people who are listening or and myself would be like oh yeah that's right uh before it i can't remember the name of the film to be honest but he made one film uh he made at least one film before it but um he uh he did sicario next uh there we um, go um yeah 
he did the most recent Blade Runner film. Oh my god, yes, okay, yep. I'm starting to get a feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a crazy good director. He did um, uh, <laughs> that one with Amy Adams where the aliens come. Oh, geez, I know the one. Yeah, so good too. Uh, oh. oh wow! I, hmm. It's it had a name like a, a verb, like and en- the entering or the arrival. 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 There I'm like is. I'm like I own this movie. Uh, yeah. There it is, right there. Lucky arrival. you put that in alphabetical order, and then it was at the beginning. Oh yeah, <laughs> so we've been like okay, all right, looking. All right, okay, I'm still going through this whole list. Okay, still going. All right, but it's right there. Yeah, that's uh, hmm. it's good. I mean. Yeah. From from the director of Sicario and Prisoners. There you go. They even put oh, it. Prisoners. That was an earlier movie of his, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Prisoners is uh, 2014. Uh, Sicario was 2015. Arrival was 2016. Oh, really? So the Prisoners was one of his early movies. I feel like that was a new movie. Because uh, I, I, I actually don't... I haven't seen any of his earlier work. I, that's the first time I'd seen his stuff. So that's when I sort of went, Oh, who the hell is this guy? He knows his stuff. Um, the he keep does, working yeah. with Deacons? Yeah, on Sicario. Yeah, my God. Yeah. All right. But I think when Arrival came around, I don't remember who did Arrival. All right. Actually, um, I don't think it was Deacons, though. It doesn't matter. It always matters. Yeah, it does, true. Um, I can't... It's The writing is so small and so dark, I can't actually read it. Don't worry about it. It's but um, Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that Deacons was on... Ah, oh, then they worked together on uh, Blade Runner. Oh, uh, of course. Again. Fucking Deacons. So, yeah. So, I guess let's. Well, we should start by talking about what the film's about, I guess. I mean, this kind of... What we're doing here is not like... We're talking about our feelings on it, so this is going to be layered with spoilers. So, yeah. if we're talking... Well, there's no point talking about... If you have seen the film Prisoners... Uh, Keep listening. And if you haven't, then don't. go and watch it. Yeah. this is going to ruin it. That's completely. right. And I'm not going to bother telling you about what it's about because yeah. this is about the film throughout the whole thing. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're not going to enjoy this unless you've watched it and you have some feels about it. So um, let's go like real, I think it's a good idea to start with technical kind of like just thinking of it from like our perspective and then start getting into the meta of it. Because uh, where I started, um, yeah. So I one thing I really loved about the film already, to, and this is once again speaking very technically, and not a frame wasted. Oh yeah, it was. There were moments which were stunning, but they were complemented by the moments that were just telling the story. There's so many moments in that film were just like, oh, it's just a shot of what's going on. It's shot well, it looks nice, it tells the story, but it's not trying to, like, rub it in your face. And then there's moments which, like, like, oh, yeah, this is this is a painting. This is, like, a work of art. And I just, like, what I've always really loved about Deacons is that. Uh, oh, everything's that. purposeful with him. Yeah. Like, everything has a reason for being there. I think it's why so often you find quite long takes in his work with mm. a lot of things because it's like, no this is what we're focusing on right now. We don't need to get another angle. Like yeah, another angle right. is useless. Yeah, yeah. So a great example of that is um, there's a scene where Viola Davis is waiting for something in the microwave and um, th- like it cuts to the number on the microwave. Yeah. And, you know, the reason is that 
it's where her attention is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, I believe, showing us the time. So that, like, that seems like a cutaway that's kind of like, oh, a cutaway, but it is necessary. Every single thing is giving you information. Now, that's, yeah. that is like typical of how, like, both Deacons and uh, Villeneuve work. But the added layer, I guess, with this is that it's about an investigation. So, information from the tiniest detail is the most important aspect of this entire thing. Mm. And I, I I do think that f- for me, as an audience member, this film is the most successful thing that I've seen where I've really followed the investigation aspect of it and found things out as Jake Gyllenhaal's character does. Yeah, without feeling like... Like, why didn't you figure that out before? Or, yep. like, like the things didn't make sense. Yeah. Like At the same time. There's probably, like, one moment where I thought, oh, come on, why didn't you connect that dot? But then again, we're not factoring in the, the, the hours, if not days, between the two bits of evidence. And, the, you know, so it's very different. I like that microwave scene that you're talking about in particular because I liked um, I liked the portrayal of of being so so hopeless and so, like, distraught that the shock of like the deet, deet, you know like yeah. kind of like throwing you back into the world and like oh, I was doing something and she's in that kitchen which is unkept none of the things have been cleaned yeah you know like she's obviously not in any way a rhythm of her life is completely been shattered and it's just like and it's so at odds with who they are, right? Because yeah. it's established at the beginning of the film. They're very organized people. They're That's professional right. people. That you know, she's the, a vet. The deer thing as well. Like yeah. you know, like like just, I'm not touching that. Put that on the table. Yeah. Like I'm not into like things that are gross. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, that's it's, you know, it's a, there's a the whole thing is layered with a lot of those kind of moments. Especially, I think they get they paid a good amount of attention to to what it would feel like to be apparent in that circumstance i didn't feel like i think i mean we're, we're probably stepping into characters right and let's we'll stick with technique because there's so much to say with characters there's so much to say with what i felt emotionally through that but but the, the technical aspects to be honest are amazingly executed but nothing like you know like it's just great traditional filmmaking yeah in my, in my opinion i mean you might might dissect it further i just think that Every aspect of it, even like, um, I think I, I give mad props. I'm going to talk more about this later, but mad props about to the sound recordist. I can. I didn't hear anything. I know, right? Uh, of interest. Of interest. <laughs> I know, but to speak technically, he or she, I actually don't know who the sound recordist is, but um, chose, it, like, chose to. I could hear the boom in a lot of moments. I don't think I heard very much ADR, whether there was or wasn't. Um, there was a lot of moments. There's a scene inside the where he's with the cop inside the um, in, outside the bottle shop yeah, where Hugh car, Jackman's yeah. character is like and that's screams. Scene, yeah. That that's an opportunity as a recordist to be freaked out because it's easy to throw a wireless mic in that situation, not on them, but in the car. Um, and you you know whether or not you actually know the actor's going to do that, like you need to throttle your recordings hard, and you've got to be on that. And so you have to, he must have made a choice to have it hardwired to the car. So the moment he did that, like there was no, like there was obvious signs of um, not compression, but like the levels being pulled right down because you can, I can tell that stuff and that's just my ear with this, with this stuff. Um, But I will say that like 
my one of my favorite things to do on set is to like I I'm, I feel like a sound recorder is there to facilitate the story as well as camera is as well, and in those moments you do your best to facilitate the performance in that scene, and that without knowing what exactly happened on set, that's what I felt like what was going on. As well as the fact that there's a lot of personality and a lot of things to say about um, the ambience that was allowed into the microphones. And I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not like, I could, I'm guessing here because I wasn't on set. I wasn't recording the sound. It's also harder when you haven't seen the script. So, for example, maybe in the script, like, uh, yeah, you, the two factors, like if it's not in the script that he starts yelling and punching yeah, the dashboard. Right. And then on top of that, it's like, even if it isn't in the script, maybe... Uh, you know, during the re- rehearsal, that was something that they did decide to go with. Yeah. Uh, or maybe Hugh Jackman just did that. So, yeah. Whatever it was, it yeah. was well executed. Yeah, it's a really well... I mean, and that's why even just from like a home cinema perspective, it's a hard film to get the volume right because um, there are dynamic incredibly... Rain. Yeah, and, and the thing about uh, Villeneuve as well is like he's not a spoon feeder in terms of a director, so... You know there are sounds in it, like uh, I was mentioning earlier, when the uh, early in the film in the in the uh, you get the shot from inside the camper van. Yep. Yeah, it's like there is this very slight creaking sound of someone. uh, Well, we later see inside the camper van, and we know that there's like a little bed shelf at the top, right? Yep. So uh, that's probably what that sound is. But there is some kind of like creaking, someone moving around in it. But it's like he didn't have that. He didn't decide to have that at the same volume of, as you would like footsteps. Well, even the, the moment right at the end with the whistle. Oh, you could. If I was, if if we were in a quieter space and we weren't cranking it, you wouldn't have heard it. You wouldn't have heard it, yeah. You know, and but but that leads to like going back to my other point though. One thing I really appreciate about the way it was recorded, because this one's te- technically speaking, um, if you listen really carefully, the ambience was let into the recordings, mm. so they weren't. There were a couple of moments where you could tell they'll use a bug because it was a wide or whatever. But but I have a lot of respect for, and this is what I like to do in my own recordings, is that I like to give the personality of the location within the, 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 the actual recordings because the way that a voice r- reflects in a room uh, tells a story in itself. It's nice that it sounds all clean and perfect and everyone can hear what's going on. This is what a podcast is about. But when you're doing a film, you want, you want to be, if you're in a emptied hollowed house that's full of wooden planks everywhere you want it to sound like it's in that environment and the and the way you do that is you allow the boom to be a little wider you know to get a little bit of like the you know uh, a little of that ambience a little of the way that that sound reflects off the rooms and they did that throughout the film on top of there's uh, one moment in particular which i really loved uh, which I, I didn't... Well, actually, sorry, there's two moments here that I, I thought were really... I I noticed... I don't know what you thought of them, but there was one where they were inside the car, and I'm, oh, I'm trying to think it was... I think it was that same scene with with Jake Gyllenhaal and, um, and Hugh Jackman before Hugh Jackman goes, like, bonkers. Uh, and it was raining, and they're talking, and you can hear that rain. Yeah, it was that scene. You can hear that rain hitting on the car and stuff like that. Like, it exists in the in the ambience. And it doesn't sound to me like it was added. It sounds like it's, it's being affected by the voice as well. That, I thought, was amazing because you could cover the car. You could do so much to stop that. But I think that that was actually kind of cool. The other moment was when, he, they, when they were approaching the camper van to begin with, for the first time with, the, the, with Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Um, 
they kept changing shots and they allowed the rain continuity to be different. Yeah, so different this frame, yeah. yeah, it sounded like shh, and then yep. the frame, shh, you know, like it just kept changing. And, and part of me was like, like, part of my head was like, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's wrong. And then I, like when I think of it technically speaking, and then part of me was like, wait a second, no, actually we're seeing it from a different angle. Yeah. Where like it's, it's allowing me to kind of question that a little. It doesn't feel like it's a continuity error. There's a lot of perspective yeah. stuff in it where mm. it's like, yeah, they want you to know. And, and I think I mean, the hard part is like all of that technical stuff does play into like all of the character and the emotional side, of course, as always. But the, but the challenge that this film has that relates to that perspective stuff is the fact that it has this challenge of how do you make an audience feel uh, that same f- terror and worry and anxiety and uh, and uh, anger when your child is taken when not all audience members are parents, right? So you, it's it's an emotion that you. Uh, it's hard to say. Like it's an emotion that you almost certainly can't identify with if you don't have kids. Mm. And I think this film is so much about that point of view. is is about how can you make this seem reasonable? Yeah, everything that happens. So I think that. I think they did break that down into into that level because there are interesting parts like um like Hugh Jackman's dream in it for instance you know that's mm-hmm. that's pretty unusual in that film there are two moments like that there's that moment and the other moment that's uh an unusual point of view is when they follow the um uh the the red herring the guy that uh, had previously been kidnapped by the by the wife and husband and escaped. Yeah. Um when he was stealing the socks. Yes, yes, yes. It was kind of like so why are we seeing this but you know why are you giving this away? And it's all, it's for like tension and a mm. bunch of other reasons but I think the way the reason that they get away with it is there is a connection to something in the house and that I do think that the houses are in those scenes sort of looked at as characters. It's like, and meanwhile at the house, you know, because the house is emotion HQ for this. uh, And then they do this stuff, but they have a lot of really interesting perspective stuff and you're forced into it a lot. And the technical side really does play into that. Yeah. I think it's the, the best example for me or the best way to describe this film is that this was technically speaking all for the story. Everything done to this film felt like it was done in favor of the story. No swankiness needed. No, like, oh, I just want this to look amazing and awesome. Everything that was used, all the sound choices, all the the way that the the audio... Like, there's a moment in um when Hugh Jackman... I'm always going to talk about sound, but this is right at the beginning, and they're just going to the house, the the, the other family's house. This is, the, you know, right at the beginning of the film. It's a wide shot. They're running in. I don't think they say anything important but they use the lapel mic on Hugh Jackman when he coughs and it's like non-consequential like it doesn't matter it's just a cough they, they probably could have got it on the wide with the boom they could have made it sound wider <clears throat> like it was playing in the distance but they choose not to now I don't know exactly the reasoning behind it <laughs> I'm not gonna I don't actually have that thought in my head right now but but I will say that 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 all felt intentional there was the, everything about what they did, even like even though it made me feel like it was like keeping the closeness with the characters, 
even though we're in this super wide this establishing shot because it like it's functionally just needs to be hey this is the first time you see the character of the house that we're going to want that we're going to play a big part in and so maybe keeping the audio close gave, gives you that value of like oh we're, but we're still intimately with these people i just loved i loved the technical aspects supported it so much that i'm you know i'm just loved it yeah, I'd play around with the camera and everything. I, I can't think of a single thing that's gone to waste in the film on any level, sound, yeah. music, camera. Yeah. I, yeah. And, the, you know, the score is very restrained and mm-hmm. it's... Well, it's what it needed to be. Yeah. It, like, uh, I remember the first moment it the score really played and that's a tree. I don't know what the tree means, by the way, but... Like I, I remember that like it the started then push on the tree. Yeah, and I was already like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know. Um, my interpretation of that shot has always been that there's something. Uh, you're looking for something. In that shot, um, and that's what we're about to be doing for the whole film. Mm. That's it's, it's it's an appetizer of what you should be doing for the rest for the next hour and a half. Yeah, look closely. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so I don't know if this is something in that shot. I really, I've seen the film a lot of times. I've never chosen to pause on that shot. I think that's cheating. Yeah, I think <laughs> that is. Yeah. No, no, I'll agree. That's cheating. Yeah. But um, but I've never noticed anything in that shot that was of any importance. Um, but it certainly made you start thinking. Yeah. Certainly it's like, started you off. What am, what am I looking for? Yeah, something's wrong. And then wrong. you spend the rest of the film looking for yeah. the and girls. So I think that that's, to me, the first you know, probably since the fourth time I watched it, that's kind of been what I thought about it. Yeah, I think it's a great primer. I think it, like, it certainly made... It's another thing about it is that it allowed... Um, it allowed the tension moment to breathe. Another thing that I like about this film is that the, the by allowing moments of uh, what you would almost consider, like... Uh, not eventful, nothing, you know, like really strongly rubbing anything in your face or anything like that. By allowing those moments to happen, uh, it enhanced the moments where the things were happening. And I feel like that moment there was whatever the, the intent, if there wasn't more intention that we don't know about, whatever it was, it gave the audience and myself to be like, I'm not hearing anything other than the cracking of this wood yep. and the music. And it's just, it's quiet. It's like we we not that we was particularly loud before they went screaming or anything like that. It wasn't. It's not trying to be a statement as much as it is kind of just like. Yep. Oh God! What's what 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 what's that? What's happening? Where are the kids? I know this is about this, but where are the kids? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Well, I think that's the thing. Is like it's so well structured that sort of like ah oh, family at the start mm. that even though you know what the premise of the film is, it's still. Like, it builds everything in such a way, uh, particularly, and I think that's the cle- that's sort of the clever thing about them going near the RV at the start. It plays in two ways, right? The first way that it plays is it makes you go, oh, my God, they're going to get taken now. And then it also plays as it's relevant to the rest of the film because it is part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think that they really successfully do that because I remember knowing I'm the first. It's it's. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched it because I was quite um, shocked by 
the type of film that it was. It's very much, you know, when people say things like, no one makes any good movies anymore. It's like that, you know, that film is such an absolute fuck you to that concept. Mm. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And there's so many amazing films. Like, this is a stupid comment, but people make it all the time, I find. Um, because I think they must be limiting themselves to like whatever they're watching on ads. Yeah, whatever's at the cinema, like yeah. Marvel, you know, uh, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, they don't think it's like whatever that big blockbustery stuff is good. But like, you know, this is a probably like forty million dollar film that um, is seriously good. It's so much good shit in that price range, and you, it it it. Deeply, deeply engaged me um, in in such a visceral way that I really wasn't expecting. I thought it'd be quite a straightforward film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could have been, actually. It, it could have been. Could've... You could have taken two strands out of it and it yeah. would be quite straightforward. It's like watching American Beauty, uh, which we'll do at some point soon. Um, when you look at it, you go... This could have been garbage. This could have just been a really boring story about a couple of people and and like uh, and I'm not you you know the story right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm not going to spoil anything and spoil sorry if anyone hasn't seen American Beauty um, but like it's it they, you could have just been a story about who killed Lester Burnham yeah that could have been the and that would have been the punch of the story but. The characters, the direction, the cinematography, the the sound design, the everything about that film brought us to something so much deeper, which made you feel and just like relate and emote to that film. And I feel like I I feel like you could have done the same thing. This I was oh, it's a cop thing. Like if you sold it in front of a bunch of executives, oh yeah, it's some you know like detective story. Some kids get lost and then you know like they save the day. Woohoo, great. You know like. Awesome. Okay, cool. We'll just throw some bunch of big actors in there, like a couple, you know, $200 million and, you know, like it'll sort itself out. And that's but, the thing. It's like the core, like thematics of the film are not, they don't even allow for that, right? Like the, mm. the, like the core thing is basically what happens to Hugh Jackman's character when uh, his faith is tested. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing I love is like they build on it beautifully, right? Like I don't think he's had faith his whole life. He's an alcoholic. Nine years ago. Nine years ago. Specific. Like he. Uh, and the only time he drinks is to prove Jake Gyllenhaal that he isn't like falling back into that, which he wasn't. No, he drinks again. Oh, he does right he does, before. Right when he's uh, thinks he's about to kill. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that moment. Dano's still, char- like, Dano's character. otherwise... Yeah, no, that's that that moment, like, the strength that he has to when he walks away, it's like he throws the bottle. That's away, right. You know, the only time he it does... It was a tool to that. him just to, exactly. to, for a disguise. Yeah. And, you know, but that's another thing I was about to say about the, the, the film is that it, you're right, like, that's an, that's an amazing part of it. It's about his faith and it's about, like, and especially when you find out the crutch of... Crutch, the crux of the film, mm. you find that it kind of does rely upon, and not rely, but like revolve around that concept. But also, I couldn't tell you that that's what the film's about. The film's about, you know, like the the trauma and the 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 weird relationship that the detective has with the case. You could that could be a film in itself. It is about Hugh Jackman's anger, and he's about his like his faith. It's about the other characters. It's about Detective Loki, Detective Loki's faith as well. Like they drop hints of that throughout the film of the fact that he uh, has some kind of you know faithful thing going on. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't notice it. 
Yeah, he's, he's got a little cross tattoo. Um, he uh, when he's walking through the apartment building, and Hugh Jackman's character says, um, uh, "Pray for the best, prepare for the worst," mm-hmm. and he says, "Like, yeah, I can't argue with that." Yeah, like, um, so I th- I think that there is that concept as well. I also I don't know which uh, mythology it's in, but Loki is. I think Loki's an angel, so. Um, oh, cool! That's yeah, in some kind of, I'm going to Google it very, very quickly. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I've, out. well, I've also got more to say about it. Like, yeah, but I also like my my main point is that I think that if you were to do an elevator pitch of that film, then yes, it is a detective story. Yes, it's just kind of like it's about kidnapping, but you can take every single character in that and tell a story in itself. And you can and and because every character has this a motive, a desire, a you know, like a something that that is telling a full story whether it's in your face and telling it to you and actually like you we're walking with them or whether it's in those moments that we see and how they they deal with this one major event so um i really liked i mean i'm obviously like coming from my mentality as well i mean i i i always want to see like this is this obviously is a very male-driven story Mm. you know i you know i'd love to have uh I would. I love to have kind of seen uh, more of what the other side would be experiencing, but I don't. I wouldn't consider that a flaw to the film. I just. I'm just always, you know, like a sucker for that. Um, but and because in, in a lot of ways it kind of tells a a very. Um, and it sounds. I, I'm going to sound totally gendered here, but it tells a masculine approach to a traumatic circumstance so melissa bella's character uh sits down with Hugh jackman she's obviously distraught and she says you promised me that you would keep our children safe you promised me and she breaks down and he you know clicks again you know that's that's a moment for him where he's Mm. like okay i mean the film starts with him teaching his son how to shoot uh an animal that's right for survival reasons that's true and um and my point is, Ma, he says that stuff, and again, and he refers to what's you know the most important thing your grandfather taught me. Yeah, like the entire film, his his mother's never mentioned. Like, yeah, and that's kind of a, that's kind of my point there is yeah. that it's like we have a story which, uh, as much as you know, of course, I, I will always want to see a, 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 like a gender neutral version of all these stories where the characters or the, the the concepts of their gender doesn't necessarily play into the story, but this is actually a bit of a masculine story well that's that's why terence howard's character is such a uh a contrast to that that's right dynamic with his wife is completely different that's right he has a different type of strength his strength is is less about that his about forgiveness and about it's about morality morality, right like he 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 will hate himself for the rest of his life because he allowed that to happen to to paul dano's character right Yeah, yeah um and he'll bear that guilt of the fact that he will not be persecuted for that Right. Yeah. He was involved. He helped do it. That's but, right. You know, Hugh Jackman's character is the one that's going to, you know, go down for it, and he'll bear it because that's what a man does. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's, I, it's one of the best representations of that in a film that I've seen, uh, in the in that way of like, I shouldn't know. It's more. It's my favorite representation of that that I've seen in yep. a film. Is how I should express it because. I, tons of other films do that sort of masculinity aspect really, really well, but that that one is in such a specific 
circumstance. Uh, and it's interesting how they play with it and they they really really do take advantage of it i mean you can see that there is this dynamic between him and terence howard's character that it's like this is the thing that separates them you know and i like i think like in two scenes of the film you know terence howard says this isn't you this isn't you Mm. he says them the first time that he goes in and then the second time uh when i think it's the hot water bed i think and we'll think about terence howard's how to say his names? Yeah, yeah. Terrible with names. Uh, when he brings his wife in there, and then suddenly she, he's about to go. Oh, well, let's let him go. And she's like, "But what if?" And he well, that's stops. the different. That, yeah, it's a total different dynamic. Like yeah. he he has never been on board with it. He mm. just doesn't have the confrontational capacity to say to Hugh Jackman, "No, no, we have to let him We're go." Also, he's terrified of the fact that. His kid the, won't the, be found, but this well, the, is the lonely link. And the legal aspect Oh, yeah, of, of course. Well. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's just all this weighing down on him and all he needed to continue along that path of... Uh, that's why his character says earlier in that scene with his wife, um, uh, despite, you know, he says as a Hugh Jackman, despite what you think of me, which is a masculinity... Yeah, yeah, or pride. Yeah, I think it's more to do with masculinity. I think it's to do with that. It's like, what would you, what would a father do for a daughter thing, right? Mm. It's like, despite what you think of me, I would die for my daughter, right? But this is wrong. And then that is his point of view. Mm. Like, that's very clear, mostly not through what Terrence Howard says, but through his performance. So it must be very clear in the script and it must be very clear through rehearsals and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it must be very, very clear. Because the decision made is, like, the thing that's so interesting about it is, like, there's that swap over, not a swap over necessarily, but just that change. All the characters change so much throughout the film. It's like, earlier on, Terrence Howard's character is like, oh, the girls aren't back. I'm giving them a whooping. Sorry, I, just so you know, I whoop kids. Like, mm. that's a... I don't even remember that. That's what he says when they can't find the girls at the swings initially. Oh. When they can't, and then the panic sets in, and then the rest of the film starts to unfold. But you know, there's there's that massive comment on on masculinity and and men and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. The thing that's great about it is that it's the filmmakers looking at it. It's not the filmmakers saying who is right and who is wrong. Yeah, it's it it makes a very clear judgment of like the way in which the masculinity is used mm-hmm. is wrong. Uh, but it's not, it's not this thing of like, yeah, fuck No, you. I you spent know, the whole, you the watched right me. Thing. I did the whole time going like, no, Hugh Jackman, yeah. no, don't do that thing. But I, get it i understand yeah. why you're doing it it makes so much sense to your character but stop doing it's, it's it it's a knife edge film it's yeah, that thing yeah. if you just go like do not do this you want to make everything worse and the the on top of that like aside from the masculinity thing the great part about that is that the film plays with the idea of here's right paul dano's character did kidnap the girls yep uh but he didn't but it's trapped them. But it's got nothing to do with the rest of it. Yeah, you know, it's it's that like he is a uh, intellectually disabled uh, person. Yeah, who has done the bidding of a woman who who has instructed him to do those things and that's trained right. him from a very young age to do those things, yeah. and that that's the right thing to do. Uh, I think that that's a it's such an interesting choice from the from the writer's point of view to basically go. 
and test all of our assumptions. You know, I think the way that he looks is a test mm-hmm. to us. He's he's creepy and weird. Yeah, similar to the other guy who ends up not being not being yeah guilty, but he was kidnapped by the woman. Yeah, and that's the right. Husband earlier in his life and was disturbed by it and, and reenacting and is doing those things yeah. to uh, God knows what. But like he he wants to be the person that's kidnapping and killing the children, but mm. he wants to control, right? Yeah, I think well, yeah, I think he wants to get back the control that he lost or something yeah, yeah. like that. I think that's the idea that they're playing with, but it's this it's this great concept of just throwing us around in different directions trying to, you know, I I think that that's a really good example of how the film is just trying to balance things. Like, yes, the person can be presenting themselves as everything that you think they are, and they're not that. Yeah. And um, and it's also, you, we have to check our biases. The characters in the film had to check their biases. There, there are, like, and I mean, that's, what, that's a testament to Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like the actual scripted character, is that he always checked his biases. Whether he was right or wrong, he, he was skeptical. He was cautious. He always stopped when he didn't have anything. That's right. And and that's and I mean that's that really great scene with him and his captain. The first time you really find out that they don't get along. Yeah, that's great. Um, in that scene where he goes and he says like, you know, I'm just going to keep saying Paul Dano's character, but mm. you know, he's like Paul Dano's character, man. Like you said that you were watching him and you pulled the people off, and now we don't know where he is. You know. I, mean, and, I and would have watched him. If I would have, would have told him. me that. I would have and watched. That's him. the thing. Even though he knows he has nothing on that guy, and he's moving on to look into other things. Yeah, he still wants the guy watched, and that's yeah. because he's just—he's just a good cop. I think that's sort mm. of the essential thing. But he—he—he he, he always stops. Like I have to let the guy go because I can't. Yeah, that's I'm, the but law. I'm going to try. He did ask. He was holding for another 24 hours. Yeah, like this will probably be better for the long term. Yeah, whatever he's processing. You know, can I also speak to Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in that? You like, I could watch that on mute and just look at him throughout that because he was just so in- interesting. You could see he was constantly observing, thinking, processing. Like it was, he was methodical. His morality was in this gray area, but never tipped into. It was like what? What do they say? Like, um, like chaotic good or whatever like if you were to put it into a D character you know like it's maybe not a chaotic good but like there's there's just a there is a bad part of him but for the right reasons like he you know he broke into um that house uh, hugh jackman's dad's place because mm. on a hunch um and and you know that he would lie away into figuring out how he could make that legal yeah that's right that's the type of copy is but <laughs> he did the right thing like morally speaking, that yes. was the right thing. So he seems to be this. He he he, and you see that the first time. You know, our introduction to him is at the cafe. Uh, sorry, at the Chinese restaurant. Yep. And uh, then he goes to this scene, and the way that he treats Dano's character is not a legal way of detaining a person. No. Um. He's he he's quite um. He's quite rough and violent with him, and mm-hmm. he's screaming at him. And uh, all these sorts of things, you know, happen. And it's like later on with the with the other character, you know, like after he smashes him and knocks him down and hits him on the ground, he's like, if you move, I will put a bullet in your head. Like, yeah. 
you don't actually supposed to say that's that. verbal assault. That's, that's right. That's, yeah, yeah. That's a cop's not allowed to do that. No, but it's that thing of like, uh, it it is one of my favorite performances of his. I think that's why I, I've loved this film so much. Is that it is this sort of gem that I feel almost I, I've unnoticed. had like two conversations about it ever because people. Oh my god, have you watched Prisoners? It's like, no, what is, what is it? It's like, ah, watch this movie, it's so fucking good. Yeah. But Jake Gyllenhaal in it, he's, yeah, he's made such clear decisions. And I think he does that in every film that he cares about. Um, he makes extremely specific decisions about who this person is and what they do and how they go about things. And there's no inconsistency in that. Yep. Um you know, the blinking thing that we were talking yeah, about, yeah. like that was a really interesting one. I think the other thing that's really interesting about it is it's not until he goes into the house of the maze guy mm-hmm. that he starts to frazzle. Yep. Prior to that, he's just like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this yep. out. I'm going to figure this out. And from then it's like, you notice his hair doesn't slick down quite as nicely for the rest of the yeah, film. Right. It's kind of I like fraying this. off a little bit and things like that. And I think at the very end of the film, he's back to having it like all nicely slicked back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think that there's like a lot of tiny decisions that are made about him. But the clear thing about him is that he, you know, you've never, you've... Uh, your captain tells me that you've solved every case you've ever had, you know. Um, uh, he's he's told earlier in the, asked earlier in the film and, you know, he doesn't respond to that. He just says, I'm going to find your daughter. And I think that, that the, the interesting thing about this character is that he's never failed. Mm-hmm. He's extremely good at what he does. We know that he does it through questionable means, but... Overall, he is a good person, mm-hmm. um, at least in the time frame we see him in. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he is tested, uh, th- the way that he falls apart is just like everyone else. That he can't. You know, when he's opening those cases in that room with the snakes, he firmly believes their bodies are in one of these yeah, things. Right. And and when the and also when that forensic cop uh, confronts him about like what his theory is about the situation that he's just a copycat, he's just doing this thing, he gets irate. Yeah, because he's like, no, that doesn't make sense. There's something that's not right here. And I mean, and to like, like there was a connection, but it wasn't as solid as as he had thought in his own head. And he breaks down. And the, I mean, it's obviously towards the end of the film, so it kind of his deterioration and his breaking down. Kind of, I mean, it's a question on his own whole character himself. He has never failed. He is the you know quite good at what he does. He normally like this is he gets it. He fig- he's figured his stuff out, and this time it slipped between his fingers. And there is proof right in front of him. Oh yeah, and, and he's been to that house. Yeah, yeah, right. He's he missed been to the house. Yeah, that's right. And I and I think like. I I I think that his character is just so 
One of the things I find really interesting about the film is that they don't at any, and this is a, what we were saying before in terms of like nothing seems to be useless in this film. Mm. Everything is for a purpose. And the interesting, he never goes home to his apartment. We don't see a scene like, scene like that. He doesn't, you know, hook up with a girl and it's like there's like a break in the film where there's like a sex scene and there's this thing and that. Yeah, it's yeah. like the film is 100% all the time. Intentional. In, in, yeah, yeah do, in doing this thing where it's like, you don't need to see a side of him that's not relevant. That's right. And and it's... Hell, you don't even need to see violence if you didn't need to. There's no, so many yeah. moments where like, there's like a moment where, where he finds um, the the Alex. Yep. And he, he, you know, he goes to like, like we didn't, we never see Alex come out of that like horrible shelter that he's been in, the, the chamber that they kind of hammer him into. And you never see that moment, even though that would be in your face and intense and like you'd see the trauma in it, but it was useless. What was the point? Well, why do we need to show how much, how horrifically he's been tortured? That's useless. We well, still the cops are there. You know, he's safe. Exactly. Story done. That plays into that whistle situation we were talking about earlier. What do you mean? Well, that's exactly the same thing. He's there. He hears the whistle. You know the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing that we have a conflict about because I think that there needs to be another step taken. You're right. You're right that logically speaking, that's certainly where my brain goes straight away and then you don't need any more, but it doesn't feel satisfying. I feel like... No, that's good. All it would need to be... I think that's what they wanted. <laughs> maybe. But I do think that's, that sometimes that can be a bit of a jerkish move. Whether the... like. We've given the the hours that we have to watch this film, and you know, in some way, financial uh, money to watch this film, and and we get taken that that like that payoff right at the end is getting gotten rid of us, and it's like in Inception they did the same thing, but I but there's a lot of theories into why, and it, and some of those theories kind of click. In this film, I feel like they could have given us a little bit more as the audience member. They could have given us another shot. Of let it just be the board being slid out. Let it be the car starting. Let it be something that just says, yeah, he did go go ahead with it, not just that he turned his head and looked. But I can see both sides of that coin. I'm not going to... He looks for a long time. He does, and he does look like he's got it. He's like, you know, like, this, he's on the scent. But you know, the reason he know the thing, the reason why I think it works is that he knows what it means. Be- uh, because... Because he's he- had the conversation about the whistle and the... And, uh, and the way the performance plays out. So he hears a whistle and then he's like... And he kind of shakes his head. He's, he's like, like, I'm just going to no, my own head. God, I'm just losing it at the moment. And then he hears it again. He's like, looks around a bit more. And then he looks back. He's like, no, this is, this is not. I've lost it. And then he hears it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think it's that, it's that sound that his brain is like tuned to because he, the very first thing that would have been said to him is like, they went home to look for the whistle. Yeah. And so I think that through the entire investigation, he would have been hoping to hear a whistle. And and I think that that um, yeah I I think but they do that quite a few times in the film though that things that you just don't need honestly you just don't need to see uh, they have quite a few cuts like that where where like they'll show the action of someone about to do something and then they just go straight to the next thing or they fade to yeah, black that's or true. They, yeah I just think that the end of a film you you can be a little bit more uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word. Uh, you could enjoy showing off a little bit more. You can kind of give give the audience that payoff. But they did it for the whole film, so I don't think they wanted to. Yeah, they could have. <laughs> they could have changed. 
You're so greedy. I am greedy, you know, like <laughs> I don't think it was a very emotional ride for me and I wanted the payoff. I didn't <laughs> you want wanted the-, the you wanted like to 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 see uh them go off with the elves to the other place. <laughs> you wanted to see yeah, uh, yeah, him go and move back to Hobbiton. Yeah, with, yeah, with, with exactly. Rose. No, I I just I don't even I don't even want to see what Hugh Jackman's character looks like after 24 hours of being stuck in a hole. I don't want to even see that. I just want to know that, like, that's the plan. That's what's going to happen. That is what happened. And then he goes to prison. We don't know. He totally does. We don't know. Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal opens up a hole and goes, oh, you're a fuckwit, and shoots him straight in the head. And we find out that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is actually a murderous pig. And he uh, closes he's him up. He's like, you'll never be fine again. Boom. Yeah, there you go. No, it, like, obviously, you're right. Obviously, that's what would have happened. But it's just not satisfying when you have almost an anxiety attack watching this film <laughs> to not have at least a bit of a relief. It's like watching a horror film and not having the end of the horror film. You know, I get it. Like, they, most horror films do that. Like, and then the killer comes back. But, like, that that doesn't leave me feeling anxious. That Like, I, I we get to the bit where everyone's like, and the one person survived. Yay. You know, and you walk away. So, you know, I just feel like the payoff wasn't as great. But the mind you, I mean, it's the journey, it not is. the destination. It is the journey. And it was. And it and it was amazing. And I would never not recommend it, even, even with that slight minor flaw. In my opinion, a minor flaw. But I wouldn't actually say that, like don't watch it don't you know put your head into that because it's bloody amazing it's yeah it's a great film i think the 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 arc that hugh jackman has is just it's just the falling apart of a human being oh he was so good in a circumstance that is completely understandable Mm. but it's that it's well can i just cut you off there's a moment that i just loved so much and it told so much and that's when he, because he always, whenever he does, whenever he's like, he's often, he's listening to the, the radio or the tape that he has in there and it's prayer, you know, he's, you know, like he prays for quite a lot of the, not quite a lot of the film, but in a few key moments in the film. And then it's that like day six inside the, the, like the torture chamber that he's created and he's, he's praying again and he stops on alive the line, which is like, um, uh, is it for, let them forgive us or like we forgive them? I'm, I'm ter- terrible with the prayer. And he can't finish that line. He's just like, he can't reconcile what he's done. Like he has that moment of like, like this isn't, this isn't okay. I, I can't like, I can't be forgiven. I'm, you know, and that was such, I mean, his performance throughout was so like another thing I really loved about his performance because I'm going like I feel like I'm kind of jumping up back and forth here, but another thing I really loved about his performance was that he. Uh, some people act anger. Some people, we knew he was an angry person. We knew that that's kind of the thing. But I we but throughout the whole film, he didn't act angry. He act he held back on anger the whole time. And the only time he unleashed was when it was when he couldn't hold back on it. And that's how I felt like through the whole film. And it wasn't in a facial expression. It wasn't in obvious ways. It was in every action, every fiber of his being when, when he was on the hunt for, to, to figure out this, you know, who stole the, and where his children or child is. Um, he was holding back. And in moments he just like, you know, like let go. Uh, and it was even a few moments to the film. Where I feel like, before even towards the end where he kind of properly kind of questions his actions there, I feel like there's a few moments where even he has like a, like, Oh, 
what what am I doing? Back and I'm and I'm back to like this is what I'm doing. This is the purpose. That's yeah. why I have the picture on the wall. That's why you know like I can't be weak right now. It's 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 oh holy shit. That's the interesting thing about it is that I believe him at every step of the way whenever mm. he says, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. I don't. I, at no point do I think that he enjoys any of it. No. I think the film is incredibly clear about that, which makes it even more interesting, right? Mm. He's not a sadist. No. He, in, in any, he would never do this to a human being. Mm-hmm. He's been put through a very specific test that he has failed. He's ready to jump too early. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he is the protector. He is the man. He is the one that is prepared for the worst. Yeah. Uh, and yet, the truth is, he's prepared for every threat except for the few that he hasn't really thought of. Like that's the interesting thing. It's like uh, he believes that he's prepared, but you know, he says to his daughter, "You know, you're you know, yeah, you can go home for the whistle as long as you like go with your brother." But the little girls like never go and tell their siblings that they're going. They just leave the house, and I, I just I think that it's one of those things where they just were like any other human being in that sort of situation that they were just flawed in that moment, you mm-hmm. know? Because you think back, it's like, well, they should have made sure that the brother and sister went with them, but like, are you then just being a ridiculously over the top parent? Yeah, that's right. Like, is where do you child- draw that line? Yeah, like, and that's the thing. It's like for that type of circumstance, you can have all these sort of things. But the fact of the matter is, someone shouldn't have fucking abducted them. No, that's like, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reaches that point. But I think that the thing about him is that I, I feel like he thinks that he's thought of everything. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't. You know, it doesn't mean that he has. Uh, he. I think that he's preparing for the apocalypse. But he's yep. not. He's not preparing for um, uh, anything that could happen between now and then. And how do you prepare for that? Like, you you, you can't lock like, your family in the house. That's right. Never never <laughs> see just, anyone. Ever don't yeah. do anything. Like you know. And he's obviously. I mean, this is a real test of his. He's also what I love about his character is he's also really intelligent. Mm. I don't like it when you play like. When you, because and then once again, I'm not trying to dive into the the masculinity thing as well, but it's easy to play the dumb ape male. Yeah. And in when you look at his character from a distance, you go, yeah, he's pretty stupid. He makes a lot, but then you realize he's no, he's fucking smart. When he realizes he's being followed, the way that he changes his course, gets a bottle of booze, confronts the guy straight off the bat, the way he's like laying on the floor, the way he like talks back to the cop, the way like all these little things. It's like, no, he hasn't, like, well, maybe he has, but, like, he hasn't been in war. He hasn't done this. He's just really intelligent. And and and, and he believes in something. That's he right. He believes in God, very obviously. Yeah. And, he, and if he believes in God in that way, uh, he believes through the faith that he is a part of that there is an opposite to that. Mm, that's right. And he also believes that this person knows where his child is. Yeah. And that's what he makes clear, like, through the whole film. It's yep. like, sometimes it wavers, but that's the thing. I know you know. Mm. And the film you is all about me. his faith, like, yeah. from, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it is. It's about the, the testing of faith in thing. You know, his wife loses faith in him because yeah. she believed that, you know, his son loses faith in him because he thinks mm-hmm. he's turned back to booze. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think that it's... 
you know, Terrence Howard's character, I think from a certain perspective, you could say he loses faith in who his fr- he thinks his friend is. You know, yeah. he doesn't believe that he's capable of any of this well, stuff. Well, he loses a little bit of faith in himself where he, like, he, this is what what he's willing to do for his child and what he does for his child in the end. Which, yeah. And that's not okay for him, but he still complies. Yeah. He still goes with it. He loses, he, I believe he lost a bit of faith in himself. Uh, and he's, you know, even his wife had that, like, that profound moment, which, uh, you know, like, oh, man, there was, <sighs> that movie... There's, yeah. So much tension in that film. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's like, you know, there's tension from scene to scene to scene to scene, but then you also have that 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 fuse burning for the whole film of yeah. when are the girls going to get killed. Yeah, Like something right. bad has to happen. And um, it's, it's interesting that the film, from my point of view anyway, successfully pulls off this sort of, and it turns out there was a psychopathic monster like a lot of films fall apart when they sort of head into that to- territory. Like, yeah. and there was a crazed serial killer, and I think it's because they're like too stereotypical of what they are, or something. Yeah, Whereas yeah. this film is like, yeah, I could believe that these two people who like their son died, they lost faith in God, they were angry at God, mm-hmm. and so they decided to. Obviously, at some point, they lost their faith and their faith was tested. And then they believed that the way to sort of even it out was uh, to kill other people's children to test them. That's right. That's the big one there. It's like, let's let's prove that we're doing the right yeah. right thing by, by losing our faith in, in God because of what had been taken away from mm-hmm. us by showing people that people are just animals and humans, that they will do the same thing as uh, we did. Yeah. I mean, she's still faithful. She says, mm. like, this is the war we wage for God. Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's like, we are making sure that God knows, like, basically who the demons and who the... That's right. But people have to be tested to figure it out. Mm. <clears throat> and, and the thing is, it's like, they're obviously just cruel, horrible people who, in my opinion, probably had all that shit inside them in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and then they found they won't push their way to it. They walked there yeah. out of their own volition. Yeah, of course. Yeah, mm. plenty of people lose children. They don't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They fucking do that. Like they're just they're just uh, awful people. And and I think that she, the way they structure the film, I mean, you know, the sort of things that they do to make the film unfold at the right pace and at the right times. It's quite interesting how they do it because uh, you, when he goes to the house for the first time and he's looking around the house and he sees the photo, oh, that's my husband. He left me five years ago. Um, They don't do a close-up, right? Because they don't want you to see the necklace. necklace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But... After a couple of times of watching it, I was kind of like, yeah, they don't show that to us. Like, oh, okay. And they went, well, that, he doesn't pick it up and look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, and the scene is from his point of view. Yeah. So, it is irrelevant at that time. That's right. Yeah, a- yeah. And the way that they... Uh, that was also pre him finding the, yeah, he the priest. Found, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, yeah, he was just there to... to because... Um, uh, to tell her that he, they had her son in custody. That's right, and he would, and to look through his room to see if there's any evidence of yeah. the kids. Not son. Um, 
uh, nephew. Nephew in custody. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, and he was just like looking around and you, you sort of find interesting things. Like why, did, why necessarily as evidence does he take, you know, take the, 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 little, the little toy, toy yeah. and stuff like that. But um, I like to think that he took it to maybe show it to him or give it to him and... As a trigger. It's something to... Yeah, not... Yeah, as a trigger or as like a, you know, hey, trust me, I've got this like... Thing. Yeah, whatever it is, it's a tool. Yeah, it's a yeah, tool. Yeah. And, I, and I think that... Not a legal tool, an illegal tool. Taking no, it'd be, yeah, it'd be completely legal. Oh, he's just playing with evidence on his in his drawer and he's on his desk. No, it, it, uh, once you go through like those proceedings, uh, once everything is taken from it and it's like, oh, it's not relevant. Yeah, it's just kind of there. You can handle it and do stuff. Plus, they exclude your prints and shit from it. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, he, yeah. So I think like just performance-wise, I think everything is top-notch. One of the things I really like is how the parents, all of them, throughout the film, uh, from sort of the kidnapping onwards, but it does degrade as time goes on. But they almost all always about to burst out in tears. Mm-hmm. You know. Terence Howard's character for the entire back end of the film always has like his eyes watering up. Yeah. Um, Viola Davis is quite similar, and Hugh Jackman cries heaps in that movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I th- I think that that was a really interesting decision of like let's have them like exhausted and ready to burst at any mm-hmm. point, and yeah, I think I think that that overall just there's no missteps in the performances in that film i think that that is one of the most successful aspects uh of it yeah it's a great film you know um so should we wrap it up sure yeah i feel like we've kind of covered it to quite a a good length and hopefully people agree with what we have to say or if not then you know you can always mention it if it'll be interesting if they disagree but they haven't watched it that's true yeah that's true as well um yeah geez Thanks for giving me a horrifically anxiety-inducing <laughs> film to watch. Was it awesome? It was awesome. I'm really happy I watched that, but I was still really, like, clutching at myself, kind of like Dunkirk, which is, like, snuck up on me without realizing that kind of, like, by the end of the film, you're kind of ripping at your own chest. At least yeah. with this film, we were able to have a couple of toilet breaks. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, but I think that, I, um, to be perfectly honest, I think I'd watched it enough times and I haven't watched it in a long time, like probably a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in that time I'd really forgotten, I forgot about the distance between the start of the second act and the start of the third act. Mm-hmm. Like I forgot how long the second act of the film is. And so um, I f- I had actually forgotten how much tension and anxiety there was through through that section. <laughs> because to me, I was kind of like, yeah, then this happens and they find the other guy, then they find, then he shoots himself and then this happens. I remember that bit happening over like 10 minutes. Yeah, But it's right. like stretched over like 40 minutes. Yeah. Like it's, it's a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, not, maybe not 40, but like at least half an hour. And, and I think that it's, uh, anyway... I apologize for any anxiety oh, cause, but fine. it was... Uh, I went into this knowing that that would be the case. Yeah, I mean, you can't, like, given the subject matter, I guess you have to accept that there's going to be some worry involved. Yeah. Uh, and some upset involved. But mm. to me, it was just that... Um, that the way the film is constructed, to me, is just so tight, so well-engineered. Mm. Um that it's 
just a must say. Yeah, it's just a, like I was saying before to reiterate that point. It was an incredibly intentionally made film. Every aspect of that film was purposeful. It was intentional. Nothing was wasted in that movie. And that what's that's what makes it a, a genius film to watch. It's traditional filmmaking at its best. Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's a very... You can actually just leave it at that. Like, I agree. It is a very... Yeah, there's no there's no bells and whistles. Like, yeah. it's a very no-frills film in terms of storytelling and everything that goes behind that on the technical side uh, and performance side. Because, mm. yeah, there's just nothing, nothing that wasn't needed. This is, like, why... The traditions and the, the the technical aspects of filmmaking were created. That is an example of why we have those, you know, conventions of filmmaking. Why we have the way that we shoot things. Why we cut things earlier than we should. Why do we edit things the way we do? Why we leave things hanging? Why we draw? Like, what's the purpose of music in film? What's the purpose of cinematography? What's the purpose of sound design? What's the purpose of directing and performance? All of that, like, this is a textbook example of why all those conventions exist. Mm. That's what I think, anyway. That's what I think, anyway. Yeah, I guess that's where we're into. <laughs> cool. All right. Bye.